0: You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to gncast.com. We are the answers.
1: Welcome to Elsinerds, a production of Galactic Networks. I'm Gregor Sprague.
0: And I'm Corey Scott, waiting for the ding.
1: (laughs) For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to eltsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncast.com.
0: If you haven't picked it up already, uh, I will say some things that might be offensive to certain uh, tame little sensitive hearts. And plus, we're going to talk about things that maybe you don't want to hear about yet. Uh, So watch before you listen, and then listen before you purge.
1: Yes, exactly. So, Corey, I would ask you how your weeks do going, but since we are recording on our old YouTube channel, um, I sort of know part of it with uh, Podcast of terror causing our uh Galactic Netcast to no longer be able to do live streams. Yeah, by the apparently. Way, yeah. By the Go way, ahead. fuck whoever cl- filed the claim.
0: Uh, fuck you, you I... asshole. <laughs> We don't know the details as to who filed the claim exactly or why Uh, Matt and I did a very simple review of a Christmas horror movie because it's December and we like to try to celebrate the holidays uh, in that time of the year with uh, talking about shitty horror films that have a holiday theme. And this movie wasn't horrible. It wasn't like we slammed it. But for some reason, even though we didn't show any footage or use any audio from the film we got a takedown notice and it put the whole network into jeopardy so good times this is why (laughs) uh, and and i mean there's so many things to appreciate google slash youtube for and i i don't want to to speak ill of them just for the fact of like this is all fucked up but this is all fucked up and yeah seriously it because of the way things are, because of deals that happened a long time ago having to deal with fucking Viacom and stuff and people uploading stuff to YouTube that shouldn't necessarily be uploaded to YouTube, it just became a automatic shutdown for anything that gets challenged. So it's not a we're gonna we're gonna go and investigate this and if we find something wrong, we'll we'll have to shut you down or give you a warning, or whatever. It's like, oh, somebody said something wrong about you, so goodbye and that itself sucks but what's worse and what i find reprehensible is that they don't even give you the information as to who why or anything it's just like you apparently maybe broke our standards so we gotta we gotta plug you and this has been going on for a lot of different things lately they they've been causing people to lose revenue by shutting off their ads, but not telling them that they're shutting off their ads. That happened to uh, Casey Hansen, who uh, is a friend of, of Pod as well. Uh, and I, I just, I find it very frustrating that from a business side, that Google and YouTube can't get a handle on these things, that they, they've they made this this kind of like great thing, this great product, and they've encouraged creators to come to it, but then they just don't treat them like they matter at all because people are just uploading stuff to YouTube. We'll, we'll get content no matter what. But if you want quality content, which I'm not saying we are, but other people are, Homicidal Homemaker definitely is, um, then you have to treat the content makers with respect. And not just people like PewDiePie who are the, the top of the game, but the people who are on the rise, the people who are, are there that are starting out um, because otherwise yep. it just discourages them from being on your your system at all. And unfortunately, uh, I realized today as I was sending a link to something that probably shouldn't be on YouTube, but is uh, to some friends, and that was the Star Wars holiday special. I sent it from Bing, and Bing sends it as Bing Video. It's still <laughs> fucking YouTube. Uh, so I think you got bigger fish to fry, motherfuckers. Um, um, I, uh, like <laughs> I, I need that s- link. Yeah, it, I just uh, it, it's it's frustrating, and there's there's reasons to be frustrated with YouTube, and there's reasons to be frustrated with people who lay false claims. You know, if it was the company who made the movie, I'm sorry that we didn't love your movie, um, but we didn't hate your movie either. We we've, we've definitely gone worse than other movies, and if it was just some random who came in and said, I, I just don't like these guys because they're uh, fat hipster fucks, which we get, then. <laughs> um, sure i hope you enjoy licking your balls because that's what you should spend the rest of your life doing licking your balls until you get tongue <laughs> cancer uh so good week otherwise tongue yeah, cancer
1: via by testicular cancer there yeah exactly
0: yeah i, mean, right. I, I so... didn't did go anal cancer because that's that's harsh <laughs> uh
1: but yeah so i mean i'm i mean i i'm doing i would have to say better than that but Not great, I would say, just because, um, and you've probably had these customers when you worked at Geek Squad, um, but I had, um, so this is a public service announcement for everyone here. If you go to buy a a cell phone through AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, or Sprint here in America, and it's probably like this around the world, you have 14 days after said purchase to do an exchange or return. I had a person come in on Saturday and it was day 15 and they would not leave until I wrote down my answer. And I'm like, no, this is the best I can do. You're not going to get it written down, but they wanted an exchange. And I told them, I can't do it because it is day 15 of your two weeks. Like, well, where does it say it on here? It says we have until January. I'm like, that's there are exceptions to that rule
0: and does it list the exceptions on the back of the receipt or whatever cuz usually we no. do
1: on our and he's trying to point out at the like at the electronics um island there which we call the boat that there's a sign that says you have 30 days and then but he's failing to realize that like like a lot of people who misquote the bible like they'll pull they'll pull one reference out he's right. pulling, he's pulling john 316 Failing that 17 will help what does not help his case sort of deal. Cause he's going, it says right here, it says you have 30 days. And it's like, dude, read the next line. It says some exceptions apply. This is one of those exceptions. And we do have a sign by our thing that I didn't see at the time because I was busy trying while kissing his ass, not giving him what he wanted. I made it like my canadian ancestors before me i was so i was so super apologetic and i'm like i am sorry i can't do anything it won't let me do anything even if i could do something you know and it's in the carrier it's here in the contract i was calling back calling my i tried calling my boss boss and he wasn't there so i called the dude below him and so long story short he comes back in on saturday almost got the police called on him um or sorry not saturday sunday and uh, he's coming back on Friday, and I will be in there. Hopefully, not when he is there. And if he is, I will be hiding from him, which is so, <laughs> so not because I'm afraid of him, but because I don't want him going. Oh, you, 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 you can help me out. You can help me out. I'm like, no, no. You are. You have the people helping you right now. I'm going to help the other guests who, who, who do, do not complain over the tiniest. I repeat tiniest little chip on their iphone
0: yeah so here's here's (laughs) the reality this is this is a a a long-time retail employee reality is that uh dudes dudes i'm gonna call you dudes it's it's not a sexual term it's not a gender term it's just a general dudes dudes term um when you go into a store like a target like a best buy like a walmart there are different levels of people, and most of the levels that you're going to see out available to you to speak to are not going to be able to do jack shit, all yes. right? They're going to do the best that they can, but they have criteria that they have to follow. Now, the corporation that is the entity of Target or Best Buy or Walmart, in these examples, the corporation can do Any fucking thing it wants, but it has shit ton lawyers, shit ton lawyers. It's a, it's a metric term. Uh, we don't use it in the United States, but shit ton ton lawyers is, is a thing. And, um, shit ton lawyers fucking know exactly what they need to say, where they need to put it, how to make it all work. So that yes, when, when, when guy out on the floor, poor Gregor out on the floor has to, has to say it's a 14 day return policy. Shit-ton lawyers have made it very clear that that oh, no, is It's, not even that. it's yeah. not even that. Yeah, no, no, so wait, will... wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So don't fight with Gregor because Gregor ain't got the power. Mm-hmm. The power may be changed over because you can talk to a general manager, sometimes just a sales manager, and they might override it. A, a, a person at corporate, you call the 800 number on the back of your receipt and you talk to somebody. They may override it. Now that makes Gregor's life hard because he's got to stand out there and stand by the fucking company rule and shit. And then somebody else above him just says, Oh, fuck the company rule. And then the next time you come in, you're like, Hey, Gregor, remember that time those guys told me to say, fuck the company rule. I I want to do that again. Gregor's like, yeah, I still don't get to do that. You know? So just realize your battle is not going to be waged on the floor with some part-time employee <laughs> uh, you're going to have to go up a little higher and you're going to win a lot more times than you lose if you're fucking cool about it. Okay. Oh, no, if, and, and he he, he was cool. Out.
1: I will give him that. He was okay, cool. good. Yeah. I will give him that. But if
0: you freak out, people are just going to be like, uh, we have no legal reason to help you. Yep. The only reason we want to help you is to keep you as a customer. And yep. right now you're showing us that it's detrimental to keep you as a customer. So goodbye. Yep.
1: So no, here's to, so to explain about it a little bit more because he was nice, um, but it and it's not a corporate thing. And again, um, it, it wasn't even because I had my store manager, the store manager of the of my Target branch, helping me with this to try to defuse them. Um, the guy said because in there, if you read the all the legalese, fine print, all that stuff, it says you might have to pay an early termination fee. These are rules set by the carriers. It's not even a Target specific rule. It is. AT&T, Verizon, and Sprint, these are the three that we deal with, um, have set this rule at 14 days. Why? Because usually if something goes wrong, you can come back in and say, oh, hey, this went wrong, get my exchange within the 14 days. To say that what he had, that he's wanting to exchange it for is ridiculous is an understatement. He had a, a – I kid you not, the, the height right there just – or the width of your thumbnail chip at the edge, and I mean the edge, of his iPhone 7 that he got on Black Friday.
0: It, now, believe me, it, I would not want to keep a phone with a defect if I had the ability to exchange or return the phone. Yeah. Even if it was my fault. I, I, no. I just – I wouldn't. I would not. But you've got to know – how to follow no, no. The, the fucking system it, to make this shit happen. It,
1: it gets it gets even more ridiculous. I am not done. This is that was part one. That's the complaint. I'm sitting there. I'm telling I've I'm, I'm explained this to the guy that I was able to get a hold of, and I'm like, all right, like I, I don't know, I, I mean it's ridiculous here. And I, and I had the thought in the back of my head, but it never made it to the forethought of he could buy Apple Care in the Apple Store. Turn around, make a claim. He said he's willing to pay the early termination fee of $300 for the device. So why not save him $100 by, by, by spending the $129 to put AppleCare on his phone? To then make a claim where from the guy who I saw on Black Friday that works for Apple, he said it would be $35. Now, that to me sounds like a great deal at what $160, $170. As opposed, it, 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 as opposed he's not willing to, to pay that,
0: that termination fee. He he's he's, he's he said he's, it. He said I will pay yeah, it. I know, but first. he's not actually willing because what he he's still saying is he's just doing whatever he can to one up you guys with the information of like, yeah. I know I'll fuck it. You're gonna do this for me. That's <laughs> that's that's the level that he's at. He's like, You're going to yeah. give me what I want. And 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 I will say every caveat that I will make, but then I'll fight you on those things if you actually try to do it that way. Um, yeah. Just too many years of, of, of experience with this. And, and I feel you guys. I feel you guys, everybody who's still working retail, <laughs> who's just starting retail, who's still stuck in retail. I mean, that's why when I go into places, stores and stuff, I don't get pissy when people like, oh, do you work here? Can you help me? You know what? I just fucking help them. I don't work there. I don't care. I will help you. And I'll fold some shirts while I'm at it too because I'm not a prick. Uh, I have empathy. Uh, I I've, I've been in that place too long. Yep. But I just especially in the holidays, like right now it's just the fucking worst and I get it and I I just yep. I I feel I feel pity yet I also feel a sense of like missing it somewhat like no, I could no no i i do like I, I had nothing to do on black friday so my wife is is off at work in retail and i'm sitting on my chair just digging around doing much nothing and i'm like just i could i could easily just go work at black friday so i could just walk in and put on a smock you know just somewhere <laughs> and pass for it because they all work the same all these fucking big box businesses work essentially the same it doesn't take much to do. Hell, if I'm just pointing people in the right direction of shit, or if I'm willing to take their fucking hand and walk them to the row where something is, yep. because they can't get anybody else to help in that point in time, I will be doing the world a fucking favor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just like, just do the world a fucking favor. yeah. No, because do, do, you'll, okay, you'll I, not only be saving this person, but you'll be saving all the people who work in that store who don't <laughs> have the time, mentality, strength, uh, willpower, life left in them to help that person
1: (laughs) yeah dude i'm not gonna lie i had the same thought yesterday when i was at work because and again i will remind people i sell phones for target for target you know that is my job i help out with the electronics because it's right there i help out with the dvds and, and the entertainment stuff because it's right there and all that for about three hours yesterday I was I told and I told what the, our security guy I'm like you know I should just make myself a job in Target like officially Target where I get paid hourly and I just stand by the by the thing that has the map of the store and just go oh you're here see the dot says you are here you want this section here it's going to be right down there in turn and I'm just telling them where to go that yeah. what you just described I'm like do that if it's you know the same amount of money that I'm working that I'm making right now you know Fuck commission because the like the my check on Thursday from Black Friday is gonna be the most I've made in a a long time and probably will until the next Black Friday. And it's just and it's one of those like I could probably make more money if I just did 40 hours a week standing there going, Hi, how what can I help you find? Oh, that that's gonna be down E20 or whatever and all that. And then, yeah,
0: it's it's sad (laughs) because what people want and need the most from retail right now is. The customer service and the customer service is the thing that we've uh, denigrated to being the least important job. We we're saying that customer service is who we don't have to pay and customer service is who we don't have to give hours to and customer service is who we can replace with robots. And I don't need people out selling shit because people <laughs> just grab and go. Uh, I I just need the, the stock out there and I need the place reasonably clean. Yeah. And I need someone to ring them up, or oh, I don't need people to ring them up because we got self checkout now. Uh, no, for, what this country wants <laughs> and needs and and really is is falling apart from is that we've lost the ability of having service for people, yeah. and and that's that's the jobs that shouldn't go away because eventually all the other stuff will. You know, making stuff oh, yeah, is, is getting harder and harder to to do because there are robots. And, things for it, it but service, that human connection, it's like the, the full service gas station. It, if you, if you have the means, you're always going to go to the full service gas station because then you don't have to do anything. And someone's checking all the things that you won't want to check, or you won't think to check because they have mm-hmm. the experience. And like you said, they know where to look for stuff. And that's something that is, gone away except for one state i think um where they insist that they have full service uh gas stations um but you don't find them anywhere else around here anymore it, it's it's no longer the case and i feel like that's kind of where society has started to fall apart in america yeah
1: yeah i but yeah so all that all that aching um aside because i looked at our timer and we're like oh hey we've been 20 minutes and we haven't even got to the news stories yet um to say yeah you definitely nice hear this conversation
0: to, anybody else's shows
1: yeah definitely uh be nice to the people who work retail okay they're there yeah um so anyways on to the news and first off i want to say this um hashtag fuck 2016 um you are the fucking worst you took another we are and en- okay I'm gonna preface this this way: We started the year losing big talent. We're ending the year losing big talent. Yes, I, I'm, I'm calling. No, <laughs> no, no. Yes, I'm calling him big talent. Um, because that's my fucking childhood right there—is watching his show. Um, the we we don't usually cover passing aways, um, unless it's something you know someone you know instrumental in in one of our lives, or if we think, okay, yeah, this is an, an instrumental person. And this actor is Alan Thick. Um, he passed away at the age of sixty-nine. And uh be, I will we'll let you know there's an autoplay on that thing, because you know, why not? But you know, uh Alan Thick, you know as the father on uh as Dr. Jason Seaver on Growing Pains, um passed away uh earlier today at, at says about noon, um, where he was rushed to Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center um before he died. The actor had been had been playing hockey with his 19-year-old son when Thick suddenly passed away. Um, he he was born in Canada and all that stuff, and you know started in Growing Pains. Uh, the family the family friendly romp followed Thicke's character um, as he began to work from home when, when his wife reignited her career as a reporter. Um, and yeah, the um, after Growing Pains, you know, he became known for his musical work and hosting experience. The actor created theme songs for different strokes wheel of fortune and even growing pains um he was he, he had even done stuff you know today um he was on the second episode of this is us he was on uh tosh.0 celebrity celebrity wife swap american dad um he was even on he recently appeared on the reboot of fuller house um on netflix And yeah, I mean, it's really sad to see this guy go because when I say, you know, my childhood, I mean, this was my childhood when Growing Pains came out, and it was the show that I watched because my sister had the TV at the time, Mm -hmm. and, but it quickly turned into, yeah, I like the show as well, you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, Spider-Man or X-Men or, you know, like whatever, you know, other shows were on, but yeah, or like, like Bobby's World, um, Yeah, kids remember Bobby's World (laughs) with Howie Mandel. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is a guy that you know will be missed, and that's this is a big reason why I say he's, you know, he's a great that is leaving us because, I mean, the dude, the dude did good stuff. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, I I I was gonna make some cocky comment about the fact that we don't compare him to David Bowie or. Or Prince. Or even Lemmy. But no, Alan Thicke is beloved. And he's a guy who's had a tremendous sense of humor about the fact that he was seen as the the dad from a sitcom. Uh, I watched Growing Pains uh, when it was on for a while. It, it, it was kind of like the, the lighter version of Family Ties. Like I was watching Family Ties on yeah. NBC and then all of a sudden Growing Pains came out. On ABC, a a couple years later, and it was it was still kind of that same vein. It was the the three kids. It was you know the the nuclear family sort of thing, but it was very endearing, Mm -hmm. and and you kind of you grew up with the kids, although someone went batshit fucking crazy. Uh, (laughs) But but Alan Thicke, after doing that, you know he he did a talk show for a while. He would let himself be in anything that he could be in, you know, and would let himself make fun of himself. He would, he had a great sense of humor about things that he was doing just in general. He's a really talented dude. Yep. Uh, I don't know that I've ever listened to his music other than the stuff that he wrote for shows or when he was singing on uh growing pains. Yeah, I remember him and Mike doing old time rock and roll. But yeah, he, I mean, he's not a national treasure. Here, he's a Canadian national treasure, but he's still a big deal here. Um, it, it's kind of too bad that his his son is such a wacko. But in general, yeah, I get it. I, I, I feel like they're just, they're kind of fucking toying with us at the end of the year. Like, what else can we get in in the last couple of weeks of December to really fuck it up for everybody? What else can we do? I, I've said this yeah. a couple of times, is like Keith Richards better watch his fucking back. Because 2016 is going to kill him just to prove that it can. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, there's not a lot to say. He, he's just, it's fucking Alan Thick, man. Yeah, he I'm used trying Robin to look, Sparkle's video.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to find. I was hoping that they had on Wikipedia all the lists of his, um, <clears throat> of his TV show. Uh, jingles because he did quite a bit, um, you know, of TV show appearances. But I believe Beatmaster has the final word on this whole thing. Four, three, six,
0: Fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love how when he says it, it sounds like tom after the the white mouse is not explosive blows up and the whole world is a fucking nuclear wasteland he's like don't you believe it um (laughs) yeah
1: but yeah uh so i I guess real quick uh before before we move on um different strokes the fast the facts of life he also did a lot of the game shows uh the wizards of odds which he also sang the vocal introduction the joker's wild celebrity sweepstakes uh the diamond head game Animal Crack Ups, which he co-wrote with his brother, Todd Thick and Gary Pickus, Blank Checks, uh, Stumpers, Whew. and the original theme for Wheel of Fortune. Um, he co-wrote Sarah, a solo hit for Bill Chaplin, and included on the later's uh, Runway album. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he very instrumental, and he will be missed. Um, the next bit of news is that Patrick Wilson will be playing Aquaman's evil half brother Orm um in the Aquaman movie and so uh Patrick Wilson it was in um oh gosh what was he in he was in something big he was in Watchmen yeah he was yeah he was in Watchmen he was the Night Owl in Watchmen
0: right um he's and he's been Bat- he, uh, the first insidious movie and then the kind of spin-off movies uh, or from the same people, The Conjuring films, have, He's starred in those. Uh, he had one of those CBS failed show drama things uh, a couple years ago that everybody was like, oh shit, we, we should have kept up with that because Patrick Wilson is the fucking hot guy in Hollywood now. Um, but it's cool to see him get back into the the DC fold. And it's it's interesting because... You know, he was in Watchmen, which is of course the 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 Snyder film, and now he's getting to work in, in Snyder's essentially new universe of DC superheroes. It's <sighs> Aquaman's a weird one, man. Like, yeah. I I want to say that I'm looking forward to it. Uh, much like I want to say, I'm looking forward to any of the DC movies at this point. I'm I'm still trying. I'm still trying to find hope, mm-hmm. but Aquaman is just like one. The the Jason Momoa's look is so far away from Aquaman himself, for, yeah. from from Orin, uh, from Arthur, and I I just wonder how much of that personality of who Aquaman. Is classically is going to make it to the film. So what is the story here? Because like I've never been a huge Aquaman fan. I liked Aquaman as a part of the Justice League, uh, or Super Friends or whatever. But yeah, it's not like his backstory has ever been super interesting. I think the most interesting interesting thing about Aquaman has been continuously his relationship with Mara, uh, okay. who's gonna be played by Amber Heard in the film. But a lot of the other stuff is just like so. Like I don't I don't know. Like Ocean Master's okay, but Black is the fucking badass. Black is the coolest looking dude yeah. in all of the, the Legion of Supervillains. So I mean what Orm- I remember about Ocean Master was I think they he killed Aquaman Mera's son. Um yeah. which is a shitty thing to do in a movie, but it sounds par for the course for some of the DC Universe stuff so far.
1: And I think wasn't he also responsible for um or at least, I know he wasn't Throne of Atlantis, but for chopping off uh, uh, Aquaman's hand, or for Aquaman chopping off his own hand? Uh,
0: What I remember of Aquaman's hand wasn't that it was chopped off, it was that he wound up having to plunge it in a stream that was filled with piranha, and they ate it off. Okay. I, I could be wrong on that. It, the 90s was a crazy time. A lot of heroin. Yeah. But... <laughs>
1: But no, I mean it's it is it is good casting. I agree with you that it is the Aquaman movie is going to be weird, um, just because they're, um, I mean we're talking about people who look who live underwater, and so it's like we got there's going to be this weird, depending on how it goes, like if they're doing Atlant if they're filming a lot of the stuff, to be in Atlantis, how are they going to do the talking, how they're going to do. You know, because these are still people who need to breathe oxygen.
0: Well, I mean, we, we be... accept people existing in space between Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy and things. So well,
1: I'm talking about like like, you know, there would have to be a way where water is clearly... something that
0: we could all touch and space is something that's kind of like still out of our realm. And, and
1: even then and even then, I mean, you know, like we've had we've had people in space and there's you know, there is the ways where you can fake it. I mean, how you can even fake it for on TV. Like you had with a couple episodes ago with uh, Pure Genius where they had one of the actors was in space um, and had to be his own nurse for or his own nurse for his own appendectomy and all that. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things because, like, if you're like, wait, they're in water right now talking, you know, because you'll, you'll see, especially Amber Heard's Mira because she has long hair, you know, her hair is just, you know, going all over like it does when you're underwater. Or even jason momo because he has long hair too he's got long long hair in there so you know their hair is just all flying or whatever and it's like wait how are they talking sort of deal but whatever they probably figured it out and we're working the script it's just one of my little nitpicky things i'm like but logic doesn't say that will work
0: it, it's it, but we were talking about superheroes which kind of has to defy logic exactly to begin well, yeah with. that too um that but too. there is, yeah. There's the the how far is my buy in? I can buy into this far, but anything past this line, no, I, you've lost me. Um, well,
1: anything for for me, it's anything further, and I need to see behind the scenes on how you did that. Like
0: right. like
1: it's it's sort of like with uh, Suicide Squad where they said that uh, that uh, Margot Robbie trained to be able to hold her breath for like ten minutes or something like that for the scene um, where she's underwater in the and the Lamborghini and Batman rescues her and all that. It's like stuff like that that I want. I, I like hearing about like, Oh, like they did this or they did that. Like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, like, you know, like spoiler alert with walking dead, how they cut open, how, how they, how they cut the bitch um, in this, in the episode on Sunday. And you know, that stuff interests me more than sometimes than, than the actual program. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, at least Patrick Wilson is, uh, a quality actor who can bring a lot of gravitas to a part. So, yeah. hopefully, that that helps elevate a film that sounds like is going to have some challenges. He,
1: I will also say this: if they do it in a lot of the ways that I've seen or um, Ocean Master done before, where he's always been like a behind-the-scenes conniving type person, um, I think Patrick Wilson is actually a really great choice in that because he does seem like he could do that. Um, like criminal I mean, in Master that regard, he would
0: be and... the Loki. Yeah, well, which, yeah. Which I mean is an interesting way to look at it is that people would think, oh, Wonder Woman is going to be sort of the Thor genre of the DC universe because of all the the magic stuff, because of the gods and everything else. But Wonder Woman is looking much closer to a Captain America style uh, because it has to do with her fighting in a war against yeah. tanks and things. Whereas if they go the Thor route with Aquaman, it makes a certain degree of sense because it's another worldly type of feel, and then yeah, I mean, if you have someone who's much more about political intrigue and things, uh, in way that Loki was trying to dethrone Odin mm-hmm. and dethrone Thor at the same time in the first movie, then maybe that's. I mean, it's still treating things like they're just ripoffs and knockoffs of the Marvel films, which is not yeah. fair because all these characters, most of them existed before the other characters did. Um, <laughs> That it's still like, yeah, I could see if that's their starting point.
1: Yeah, but no. So, I mean, yeah. Under the keeping in the DC universe, in a way, or um, right our, out of it, or or out of it. Um, our next story is that Zack Snyder is fil- uh firming up his post or post production, or you know, post Justice League plans with the last photograph. Um, I picked this story mainly because the last photograph sounds freaking awesome. Um, so everyone at first was thinking that what Zack Snyder was going to be doing after justice league was immediately get into work on justice league two. Well, we were all wrong. Um, he's got a little bit of time in between, between those, um, with justice league two getting pushed back because of the Batman, um, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman, uh, standalone movie. Um, so he decided to work on a movie that he's been working on for a long time. Um, you know, since the mid to, uh, 2000s, um, you know it was, this was after his success in 300, um, but the uh, but the rights lapsed on this. Um, but he can uh, Snyder concocted this story with his longtime colleague Kurt Johnston, um, and they they both wrote the script, which uh, which we'll be getting spru- uh, sprucing up in tw- uh, 2011. Christian Bale and Sean Penn were attached to star. But the project is currently actorless. And the plan, sources say, is to repackage the project and approach Warner Brothers, where Zack Snyder and his producing partner/slash wife Deborah Snyder have a first look pact uh, for their cruel and unusual films banner, which aimed to have um, of having it shoot uh, shot in late 2017. Now, this is what sold me. Um, the last photograph centers on a war correspondent in Afghanistan who is the only the only survivor to um, the only one to survive an attack on a group of of Americans Um, when a special ops soldier is searching for a family member shows up the two team up um, with the correspondent, hoping to score the story of his life. That sounds really cool. That sounds right up Zack Snyder's wheelhouse with how he, with how a lot of his films look and appear. um, And even, even feel for a lot of like, he does the dark and gritty really good and all that and this seems this to me seems like this could be his big um, you know like Saving Private Ryan or something like that
0: what has Stack Cider done I, I don't know other than his main releases what has he done that's been original properties so far because he's done several comic book movies he's done 300 he's done Watchmen he's done Man of Steel and then uh, Batman v Superman the only thing I can think of is Sucker Punch which was i i they're all very bombastic large action movies and this sounds like there would be some large action scenes in it it's just a matter of when i when i read a special ops soldier in search of a family member shows up the hero the two people team up him and the the war car correspondent team up now in yeah. any other context uh, i would think okay the two team up and they they try to figure things out and it's a lot of intrigue and 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 behind the scenes stuff and everything but when i think Zack snyder uh i or michael bay i just think the two team up and then they beat the shit out of everybody yeah and I'm okay it's like i'm curious as to what that means and so here's, i haven't seen him do subtle yet
1: yeah so here is his his filmography um he started in 92 as a music video director where he did uh, Peter Murphy's video for You're So Close, Morrissey's video for Tomorrow, and then Soul Asylum, uh, Someone to Shove, um, and then in 93 with Soul Asylum, Black Gold, Alexander O'Neill in the middle, 94 with uh, Diana Ferris's I Know, and then in 2009 for uh, My Chemical Romance's Desolation Row. But you get into there, you get into out of his original stuff, because he's mainly done comic book movies. Um well, I say original, and this this there will be questions of this, because 2004 uh, is Dawn of the Dead. He directed um, the 2010 uh, Legends uh, or Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Kahule, Um, He directed Sucker Punch. He directed um, and then everything else. He it is a comic book movie. So 300 Watchmen, Man of Steel, 300 Rise of an Empire, uh, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Flash, Aquaman. And then the Untitled Justice League sequel, he was either a producer, a writer, um, or director on uh, all those things.
0: Yeah, it's just like I I don't want to. I I know that Snyder's style is not it does not cater to my tastes, which is absolutely fine. And and I'm not I'm not implying that he's not a skilled filmmaker or anything else like that. It's just when I hear the description of this, I'm not as excited because Snyder hasn't done anything that makes me think that it's a, like, I, I don't know what this is. I, I really can't read that description and have any idea as to what Snyder would do with it other than fucking lethal weapon on steroids in Afghanistan. But that's okay. Cause if that's yeah. a movie you want to make sure that, that, caters to his audience that caters to a big audience who likes action movies anyways. And, and that's perfectly fine. The, the, the bigger story here is Snyder going outside of the DC universe stuff because things have been switched around. Now, when justice league, the movies were announced, it was parts one and two, and it was implied pretty heavily that it was going to be like two films that connected to each other and that it was it was like, you're going to get half the movie and then the other half of the movie. And then later on, they backed off of that and like, oh, no, that's not necessarily the case. And now Justice League 2 has been pushed out for this once unannounced Batman movie that Affleck is doing. And Affleck is, made it pretty clear he's in no hurry to get it done. So pushing back on Justice League 2... For Affleck, who's like, well, I'll fucking get it done when it's done, man. Uh, while these other movies are still coming out. And, and Snyder has involvement in Wonder Woman. I know that. I assume he's got some involvement in uh, Aquaman as well. Affleck,
1: And then writer for the story, like story writer right. for, for Wonder Woman. Aquaman, he's a producer. Flash, he's an executive producer, much like he was with Suicide Squad.
0: Right, yeah. He, he's got production on all these things at this point. They're all coming from his production company. But we know that there was talk after Batman v Superman that there was going to be pushback or maybe even a pushing out of Snyder from the films. Now, that's never been uh, collaborated by by anybody in the companies. That's never been announced by by him or anyone so and and it shouldn't be viewed as an absolute now but it is interesting that once affleck got involved and once they started announcing things like oh affleck wants to make batman films uh that everything else kind of started to shift that's that's intriguing to me because whether or not it's true that this is a a push to get Snyder less involved in these films, mm-hmm. uh, films that already are, are challenged in other things because he didn't have involvement really it, to any extent uh, with Suicide Squad, but it had its own failings because of the, the corporate entity trying to make the film and taking directorship away from the guy who was in charge of it. And it's funny how that's the reverse of what people feel the issues are with uh, with batman v superman with batman v superman they're like i wish somebody would have come in and and just fucking put the boot down on Snyder's neck and said, oh, <laughs> you're gonna do batman you're gonna do superman you're gonna do them right and then over at Suicide squad it's like god damn it why can't corporate keep their dicks out of the mix you know and why'd they have to come in and screw up what could have been a good movie <laughs> uh, it we're always gonna find excuses of why something doesn't work and we may be correct we may be way way off or maybe it's just the best movie that could ever fucking possibly be. It I was see- always going to be this way. Uh, yeah. you've always been here. I, I don't I don't know, but I yeah. I do think that this is going to feed more into that rumor of yeah. is Snyder being politely shoved, aside, like placated like hey, you know, you want to make this dream movie for a few years? Yeah, we're going to let you do that and get the fuck away from Justice League. Get the You know, I, I just I don't know.
1: Yeah. I do think though it's that I hope this is my hope, you know, with because you know because we're we're comic book nerds, we are gonna compare the two companies that DC is realizing that the biggest the biggest successes with Marvel are not in that every movie is the same but with different characters, you know, same style, same director, same writers, all that stuff um they realize you know that there's big differences with the movies
0: well now the biggest Um, complaints i hear from people who are not fans of the marvel movies or not like huge fans like like i am is that they feel that there's a sameness they feel that they're all telling the same kind of stories they're safe and everything else like that i don't necessarily agree but i i can't see that yeah if you if you if you're someone who enjoys a marvel movie and you go to see another marvel movie You're going to feel pretty good about that one, too, because it's it's tailored for the same audience, even if they are different styles of films. Now, I do think that there are people who watch Guardians of the Galaxy that are not watching the rest of the Marvel movies and feel like this is fucking awesome and then don't have an interest to go watch Iron Man and Thor and people fight. But I think that's that's a little bit different. But if you watched Doctor Strange, it feels very much akin to Iron Man when Iron Man was introduced. Yeah. If you watch Ant Man, it's very akin to those things. Other than the heist aspect, they they introduce new elements. They yeah, do that, that's have a I mean. the, familiarity.
1: There, there there might be a, a familiarity to them, but still it's a familiarity, not it's the same thing we just swap out characters, but there are these elements that they introduce. Like you know, for example, like like the heist element out of Ant-Man or the um, the political thriller out of uh, Winter Soldier and you know th- stuff like that.
0: Yeah, if you watch and- Captain America, the first Avenger, and then you watch Captain America, Winter Soldier, or even if you jump straight to Civil War, they look different. They yeah. feel different. The The pacing is different. And now that they're two different directors, but they're also meant to be different art styles. They're, they're different writing. It's, it's all very different. So I think what you're what you're more or less pointing out is that it's not a singular voice with the Marvel movies. Exactly. Uh, If you watch Iron Man two, and then you see Shane black do Iron Man three, I love Iron Man three, but I love all the Iron Man movies, but Iron Man three stands out to me because it's Shane black doing it. And Shane Black's style is very different. Mm -hmm. What they didn't do is become beholden to any one creator or director. And so far we've only had two directors in the current DC universe, and we're getting a third uh, with Wonder Woman, but with Snyder's kind of style put into it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's um, I I do love Beatmaster's comment that um, <laughs> from his, or his input here of uh, um, he wants Berlanti to slam his five pound dick on WB's um, exec table and demand a TV to movie transition i'll beat you to it i'll point out i will point out for you that berlanti was the writer for the movie that we do not we claim that does not exist and i'm wearing their shirt the green uh, the green lantern
0: movie the movie that almost or basically did for a while kill ryan reynolds career according yeah. to his own words uh the other thing is like no, no, i, cannot, I cannot in good conscience say anything good about the Berlantiverse right now like I am seriously ready to hose those shows off of my fucking DVR uh, I am I am out of love yeah. with the DC universe as far as television programming and it, it, it's almost worse than the movies because the movies end <laughs> and the TV shows just go fucking on and on and on yeah
1: all right. Well, on that note, on that bombshell, if you will, um, we will be right back.
0: If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to GNcast.com slash support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com slash support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast.
1: Hello, we are back and it is time for Nerding Out. And um, I'm going to start since I have no idea what Corey's is doing. And I'm going to talk about the first episode of the White Rabbit Project. This is the build team from uh, Mythbusters fame, uh, Carrie Bryan, Tori Belanchi, and Grant Mahara as they rank history's greatest inventions heists and more um you know the first episode i saw was superpowers and i've gotta say this felt like a tv show like i was waiting for commercial breaks it felt like a tv show um i'm not saying it's bad but i'm just like sitting there going Okay, so they're sticking with the same formula, you know, sticking with what, what got them to the big leagues.
0: They're filming mm-hmm. it like they filmed Yeah Mythbusters.
1: So I mean the difference being, you know, obviously that there's no Jamie Heinemann and uh, Adam Savage in here, but the other big part is that like so for example, the first episode was superheroes, um, you know, doing superhero powers in real life. Um, each of the peop- um each of the build team members or I should say the hosts, picked two. Um, so, for example, uh, Grant had um, Invisibility and um, Freeze, like you know, like Iceman's powers. And they had these three criteria of how close it was to the comics, the cost, and um, oh, what was the third one? Um, and there was a third one that they graded each, them all on. And uh, like an like, like ease of use, I think was the third one. And some of these were, and it was really interesting to see because they explained the science behind a lot of it. And they used the, you know, like 3D models when they needed to. And uh, very much like Mythbusters. Um, I mean, you, you could honestly say this is a natural progression for, of Mythbusters. Um,
0: Which and I they, think maybe explains why they filmed it to feel like the show because yeah. if you're watching reruns of Myth- Mythbusters on Netflix, it, it seamlessly fits in there. Plus, if you go in the opposite direction, if they decide, if Netflix decides at some point, hey, we'll let... Uh, who, who did Mythbusters? Was it A&E? Uh, Discovery. Discovery, yeah. So maybe we'll we'll let Discovery play these episodes on their station and they just plug them into like what was the Mythbusters slot or right after it. And fit the commercials yeah. in exactly in the same places, so there's no thought to how to change things up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, but it's it's still it's really cool to see. It was really cool, you know, seeing the show. Um, it was a pleasant surprise because I forgot that it was even, um, you know, it was out there. Like it was coming out. I thought it was coming out later, and I just looked. I was looking through the new releases. I'm like, wait, White Rabbit Project's out. Oh, watching, and. Again, I it's so enjoyable. Um, seeing. Uh, one of my favorite parts was Carrie was doing. She had, flight where she talked about the jet, uh, glider things, that the one guy, um, who's like who does all that in Dubai, um, is making. And then the other one that she covered more of was, which was um, electricity or not electricity, mind control, and that one it had that it was more of the 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 uh, biohacker sort of thing of putting in implants or putting on uh implant or you know skin plant thingies all over so wherever where she moved like if she did this her unexpected victim tori his hands would go like it would do it would do the same thing like that she would do and it was funny because they're, they're at a restaurant and he's like she's like oh will you, you give me more wine and he's like no, no, you're gonna you're gonna make me spill. You're gonna make me like. And it got to the point where he's like, he's throwing up like a gang sign because they got the box wet, and all that with the the Merlot. Um, and, he, and she's like, he goes, "Will you quit making me do this?" And she's like, "I'm not." <laughs> and it, it was just funny to see it. Um, you, you're actually not that far off with saying that they could repackage it because, you know, like 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 we saw with the transition from from. Uh, top gear to the grand tour where you know they they could they don't censor the swearing they still censored the swearing here so i mean it's one of those like to be noticed on or to be or no uh, conscious of who their audience is right you don't, don't want to alienate your existing
0: audience if you're yeah. from mythbusters over to this then you don't want to suddenly introduce the swear. As it'd be like if they, hey, kids, we're going to bring Fuller House over to Netflix. And by the way, here's full frontal nudity of Uncle Jesse. Now, first of <laughs> all, that's going to up the viewership really fast for a while, but they're all going to freeze on that one scene. Um, and and it's it just.
1: If you'll notice, if you'll notice it's yeah. going to be
0: nine inches long and it says Have Mercy t- tattooed on the side and have weird Elvis sideburns and shit. But.
1: but no i mean i honestly i highly recommend it um i'm still trying to get i'm not trying but i'm still wanting to get through and i think now that we have that winter break where shows are taking their mid-season break i will be able to get caught up and finished with uh black mirror and then this is the other show that i'm gonna be it's gonna be like all right let's get let's bust this out let's get this all going because i want to see more not because i have to get through it sort of deal uh, but yeah, so Corey, you got a nerding out? You gonna share the surprise um, here?
0: Yeah, I just I don't have a lot to say about it because it's one of those things that you really have to experience for yourself but I, I know that we've talked about it earlier um, when uh, before I took my leave for, of the show for a little while and that's uh, the, the finale of Westworld came out and this season of this show, it, it's one of those things that I I am surprised at how taken I was by it. Um. Not immediately, and and this is something to keep in mind, is that you have to allow for a a slow build on certain kinds of shows. You can't expect them to wow you in the first episode, and sometimes we feel like that's the case. We're like, I'm in, I'm 100% in, this is fantastic. Some things need to go at a slower pace, and some things have to build intrigue. And this show utilized intrigue and utilized mystery so perfectly and, and did things that were, to me, just amazingly, uh, perfectly done. Uh, what this show told me about storytelling, I think, is what I'm going to take the most from it. Because there were writers in, in the program. There were writers who were telling the stories in this town. And, and the conceit of the show is that humans go to this artificial town, this artificial Western town, uh, which... We found out over time was bigger and bigger than we ever expected or knew. And they act out stories. And when you walk in, you get to kind of choose if you're a white hat or a black hat, if you're a good guy or a bad guy. Um and the writers have to tell these tales. Now they get reset essentially every day or so. But even as they're getting reset, when you're introducing things, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure where the story can go different ways depending on, you know, the, the flap of a butterfly wings, it causing a tsunami in, in Tokyo. It's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like how does the story change? How does everybody's backstories affect whatever the story is for the person who's involved in it and how much deeper does everything go? It, it was so impeccable. And then along the way, we learn about different characters, uh, both, Characters that are played in the town and real life people, and some people that aren't real life people, and uh, a lot of other things. It's just seeing it complete, seeing the reveals. Uh, some of the reveals I figured out ahead of time. Some of the reveals I didn't. That's always something that I admire because it's it's hard to surprise me sometimes with uh, with storytelling. But it just finished off so perfectly in such a way that I can't imagine what a second season, let alone a third or fourth season would be. Yeah. I almost don't want there to be a second or third season, but at the same time, I can't think that they would screw it up because they had such a perfect plan going through this that I'm excited as much as I'm tentative. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I just, what they did, what they accomplished was to me, it was 10 perfect hours of TV, or or very close. I mean, as close as we act, seem to get these days. You know, I, I felt like this, like I felt about the second season of Fargo. I mean, this is in my, my top TV viewing of the year, easily, easily. There's just not much I think that can compare to it. And everyone's saying that it, it's the... It's what HBO is going to go to as Game of Thrones is starting to come to a close and everything. And I mean, it's weird because Game of Thrones really is sometimes it's a hard watch for me. It's kind of like Walking Dead in that you're just kind of like waiting for your favorites to die and stuff. Yeah, Uh, this they kind of they didn't eliminate that, but they took a lot of that away because the characters die and you feel the loss of them dying. But then they come right back because they're artificial life and it's amazing how they can utilize that and still affect you but then you're not like well then who's going to be my new favorite tomorrow and stuff like that it's like oh my favorite's back um and i'm I'm more concerned about my favorite (laughs) because now there's this deeper part of the story that wasn't even gone into it's it's so smartly done but i i think for me i enjoy it more than game of thrones um And there's still so much mystery that we we haven't even gotten to yet that they kind of give us little hints of here and there. It's just, it's really a wonderful, hard hours to watch. Some of the interesting things I I think that they did, and I wonder if this is in reaction to some of the problems that there were with Game of Thrones, not from the show itself, but from like fandom or uh, websites, is that. I, I noticed this kind of late, and, and I wonder if going back and rewatching, if I'm going to be right on this or not. It seems like anytime they showed nudity, it was only shown in a in a non sexual way, except for one orgy scene. Uh, there was one scene where there's an orgy going on in this town, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's where it is. But almost every time they had any of the main characters naked, which is a lot, it's not in a, a sexual point, it's not in a. a, a raping point, uh, although there is some of those themes in this, they, they utilize it to show that they aren't human and so they don't feel the shame of it. They don't feel or react to it. It's like they're walking around naked to show that they're exposed because they're seen as lesser things. And I thought that was so interesting is that it's just, it takes away from the that kind of like we as Americans feel like nudity should be accompanied with shame or nudity should be accompanied with with feelings of like you're doing something wrong um, or it's it's always sexual. And that's not necessarily the case. So the way that they used it in the show stood out to me in that regard. Um, I, I, all the performances were incredible. There were characters that uh, Jimmy Simpson. Who I've seen in a ton of things always seems to play a weird dude. Uh, yeah. He going back to like the McPoyles on Always Sunny. Um, he was kind of a weirdish guy on Breakout Kings, but he was really good on that show. He does so many things where he's just kind of like odd, and he's he's not he's not a bad looking guy, but he just works so well in a weird character that he's been kind of associated as not being a good looking guy in this, he gets to play the hero. He gets to play the love interest. He gets to do these things and take a very deep turn as a character, uh, which was just so impressive. It's like, I think that he's been underestimated in the parts that he's played. And I'm excited to see him get to be viewed as, as such a spectacular actor that he deserves, that he's probably deserved for a long time because, I mean, he was really, me even being a fan of the guy, this was unexpected. I did not expect to see him that part. I didn't expect to see that part grow the way that it did Uh, and the way that it finished off. I thought it was just impeccable. So, yeah, I don't want to spoil the show. I don't want to say anything that's going to ruin it for people who haven't seen it yet. I'm just saying if you've held out or if you started it and you're like, I'm not sure if this is for me or I just need to get back to it later on or something like that. Do it because it is good. This is a show that people should be talking about on Monday mornings. In the same way they talk about Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead. This is a show that people walk into work and feel like I have to talk to you about last night because it affected me so much. And that's, that's exciting TV. And it's funny how much of that comes from HBO.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, Exactly. Um, Well, that is going to do it for uh, Nerding Out. We will be right back.
0: Does the sound of the TARDIS get you all excited? Are you a fan of the longest-running science fiction show? Then for all your news and gossip, check out Who Knew and Review. We're a podcast by Galactic Netcasts you can find us at
1: gncasts.com slash TARDIS. Each week, we will run through a collection of stories from around the universe itself at gncasts.com slash TARDIS. And we are back, and it is time for our discussion point. Um, now, this is the main topic of the show, and... At first, this was going to be a news story, um, but then I'm like, eh, this is a little bit bigger. There, this is like something we could get a lot of stuff out of here, and then and then also the news of Alan Thicke passing away, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's definitely going in. Um, but the main our main discussion point is the the uh, Brian Fuller has spoken on his quote-unquote bittersweet bittersweet departure from the new Star Trek TV series um he is now speaking on his bittersweet the exit for the upcoming series um the article notes that uh, Fuller is a longtime fan who got his big break in Hollywood on Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager um, t- um that you know they tell Newsweek um, he stepped down from his role as showrunner because he couldn't commit to the schedule laid out by CBS um basically the they wanted him to do to do um, to focus solely on uh, Star Trek discovery, even though he's already doing another big sci-fi television series American Gods. Um, and so he and he said there's a quote in here that he basically was like, I'm gonna land this plane here first. Before taking off in another um and so and honestly it's where yeah it is bittersweet because you know i mean this is sort of like like jj abrams directing star or star wars you know it's you know it's he's a fan but the only difference being you know if star wars was his first thing he ever directed um But I mean it's cool. It's it's where it's cool to see, you know, he is a big Star Trek fan, you know, he got his big break because of Star Trek. Um it would have been cooler to see him come back to it. And I don't I hope there's more that we could get coming up with him, you know.
0: Well, I mean, you my first comparison is thinking about Drew Goddard leaving Daredevil when he did uh because you you have that first season and you have someone who was such a big part of it who had to leave before it even came out and and kept on as executive producer and is is also going to be uh executive producer of the the defenders but we had a show that when we saw we were all blown away we're like holy shit you know how did they just pull off a daredevil series on netflix Seemingly out of nowhere, and then this whole world is going to be built around it, and it holds up compared to the the Marvel films, which are a completely different animal. But still, it's like this this can easily stand behind that in that kind of quality, in some ways better. And if I was the guy who was in charge of that, and then I couldn't stick around to to see that through to keep my name like as a primary, and people should associate me with that show, it was my baby, and now it's not my baby anymore. That's Tough, you know, and it—it's it, not to say that what Drew Goddard left for and what he did isn't equally important or as good. It's just like at that point in time, he had to make a decision, and I think that what's going on with Fuller is sort of the the same kind of thing. It is like one, I keep hearing things like Star Trek Discovery is still not really past the the is it or isn't it phase. It, it's like they're, they're casting people now, but the time that it was supposed to be premiering got moved back, got pushed back, like it got announced it's getting pushed back very close to when it was supposed to be coming out. It's still that it's winding up on TV for the premiere, but then going to a subscription service that nobody is really using that subscription service yet and we've seen no other reasons to other than this show so it seems like it would be very important to me as cbs to get the fucking show out that everybody is hinging this subscription service on um but in comparison there's american gods which is probably not as much hanging on it as far as it's not like a hugely well-known franchise it's not a giant production because it's only nine episodes or so a season or 10 episodes a season um it's on a station that's already completely dedicated to it and has subscribers and you're working with neil gaiman which is to me a a big deal but maybe not as much to to floor but i I look at those two situations and where am where is my creative fulfillment going to come from More And where am I going to feel like I'm not just a cog in a giant machine, like a big cog, but still a cog, that I can do the parts that I need to do to make it the best, let it go when I need to let it go to go do other things that I can find creative fulfillment from, and not feel like I could just stay or go and not matter anyways because I'm always going to have some corporate overlord over my shoulder.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's where I think the big the big part of it is, uh, comes from, is if CBS didn't say, didn't do the whole, or basically say, we don't want you working on other projects. Like we want this here. Um, and again, keeping in mind that they are basically setting this up for their CBS all access digital and Netflix around the world. So they don't, they aren't, In the time crunch of oh, we need twenty-two episodes out, they can go. All right, a ten-episode season. Start billing, um, CBS All Access to be like a pay TV, a premier destination sort of thing. And then, but I mean, but so it seems like it does seem like it's more of a misstep for them than it does for him because. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you, you want to finish this. You want to get this, this I mean, you know, American Gods done and looking good because, you know, there is a lot of people that are expecting, much like there's a lot of people expecting, you know, greatness out of, you know, this new Star Trek series because, you know, like the article says, this is the first, this is the first Star Trek TV show in 12 years that we've had since the last episode of Star Trek Enterprise uh, came to a conclusion. And it's one of those, it's one of these things like, you know, yeah, it makes a big deal. And I think if they didn't do, you know, if, if they, if NBC didn't have the whole, well, we need to put, you know, you need to either, you know, commit to us or commit to someone else or, you know, commit to us or get the fuck out sort of thing. I, I don't think there would have been as many pushbacks.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is you've got to look at Fuller's, POV which is he does weird you know yeah he started out in in Star Trek stuff and everything and I'd be interested to kind of break down what episodes he did of those shows to kind of figure out what his storytelling cred is like on it but he did Wonderfalls and Dead Like Me he did Pushing Daisies which is still one of those just terrific shows that unfortunately suffered from a corporate not even a corporate thing, but like creative things that couldn't be helped with the writer strike that happened uh, in the midst of the second season, being ready to start and then not being able to do it. And so everybody, all the, the goodwill and stuff that was built up there for the first season dissipated. Yeah, um, He did Hannibal, you know, a show that was really, it was a labor of love. And never got high numbers, but he stuck it out and really worked hard at it to give the best story with great actors and, and great character stuff in the midst of a show that just should probably have never been on NBC. Uh, but to NBC's credit, they, they stuck it out. They, they gave everything they could on it and everything. Mm-hmm. So I really think that his creative juices seem to flow more towards American Gods than star trek star trek may be the thing that he came back to and it's an exciting thing to come in as a showrunner for and it may be that he gives us a completely different version of star trek than we've ever seen before i don't know if that necessarily works for star trek at this point i think people need that's that's what next generation did right is next generation gave us all the feelings of classic trek and then we got to do stranger things with it with deep space nine and then voyager was just bad um Wait,
1: who was so who was the bald little girl in Deep Space Nine?
0: Uh, that would be uh, the Ferengi. Okay, okay. (laughs) Um,
1: but yeah, I I mean, it's it, you know, good points, and didn't realize he did uh, uh, Dead Like Me. I really like that. And weren't they, wasn't there some of them bringing it back or? Like a movie or something like that.
0: They they've done some Dead Like Me movies. There was a Dead Like Me Life After Death uh, movie that came out in two thousand
1: nine. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I was th- maybe that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It does sound like it's a good choice, and I I do like the fact that they said when they were casting. So they're working on casting. Um, right off the bat, because I guess they had ideas for characters, and so they wanted to get them casting that included um an openly gay character and a a female non-white lead um for the show and i'm like yeah whether whether you know rod roddenberry wants to say that it's or you know whoever from from the roddenberry family wants to say that it doesn't well actually they're not saying about that they're saying about you know john uh john Cho playing um their his sulu being gay or whatever But it's one of these things that, like, it makes sense because, you know, it is a, you know, like Beatmaster says, look at our diversity. You know, it's, that's, that's the one thing that I always applaud Star Trek for doing of, and that was, you know, showing people that, hey, we are all, you know, there's no white, black, you know, like, races out there. There's only one race, and that's essentially the human race, you know, to borrow that from. Uh, Star Galactica as well but I it, and you know so it's like I like seeing that you know oh yeah we're gonna have you know we're gonna have this big uh, push on diversity it's like yeah of course because I mean if you had if you had a, a whole bunch of white good-looking people it's like why isn't this on the CW because that's where it looks like you're marketing at
0: yeah I mean <sighs> I, I think that there's... When things are said, like, oh, we're going to have a gay character, we're going to have this character and everything else like that, all it is is announcing something that doesn't need to be announced because it gets introduced in the story. It, it's nice because it shows an inclusiveness. And at yeah. this point in time, I think that it's important to show inclusiveness because a lot of people still don't seem to get that. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it, it it's nice to just let it... Let let yourself be surprised. You get pulled in and you're like, oh, who's this character? I want to find out about them. I don't need to know who they who they were being told to me, I want to be introduced to them and follow them on their journey and learn about them in the context of the show. Yeah. Uh, that That's, I mean, it's a, it's sort of the same feeling of people who don't want to see trailers for the new Star Wars. It's like, and and I think Adam Driver said something today, like there shouldn't be a trailer for episode eight. You know, you should just go and see it because be surprised. And I kind of agree with that. In, in theory, yeah. I agree with it. We're, we're just, it's funny. The problem is not the trailer's themselves that they exist the problem is what the trailers do that constantly basically give too much of the stuff away and and we've treated consumers of films did i break off
1: no you go ahead keep going
0: okay we've treated consumers of films and tv and things like they're stupid like they they can't not know what the story is before they get there it's like you're gonna come in and 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 and, and it's a safety room here like you, you feel safe because this is exactly what we're gonna tell you and this is how we're gonna tell you about it and everything and it's like that's not what storytelling is that's not exciting that's not interesting that's why i'm so blown away by westworld is that yeah. fucking westworld blew my mind week after week it was just it didn't announce me what was coming up. Yeah, they should previews for the next week, but it wasn't even like those previews told you much. And it wasn't also like where they tried to do like, oh, we're going to outsmart you. We're going to show you a scene, but out of context, you think it's about one thing, but it's actually about something else. They didn't do any of that shit. They yeah. just showed you, hey, there's going to be another show next week. You should come fucking watch it. Yeah, I will watch it.
1: <laughs> but no, I'm, and, I mean, I think that's, am I still siloing by the way, or did it clear up?
0: No, I think I was the one who was siloing my, okay. my fucking browser biffed.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, and that's where I had a point I was going to make, but I, I totally lost it. Um, must not have been important. <laughs> I had it. It was a great point. It was. I know it. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, it's <laughs> I do think I do think this is that this is good that this will be happening, um. But I mean, I don't know. Mainly because I don't remember what I was going to fucking say. Damn it. Um. But yeah. <laughs> Westworld, folks. <laughs>
0: uh, so just real fast, then let's let's back up for a second. So. Yeah. We're losing Fuller. Is there anybody that you see as who's who's the choice to come in to take over?
1: Well, they already they already announced that um his that Gretchenberg and Aaron um her Harbert's are doing it. Um are gonna be taking over, you know, his spot there as, you know, showrunner. Um, which makes sense. I mean, you know, it's not like like I don't see that being one of the big reasons why there was a, you know, like like for a layback or a, you know, pushback of the time because of the fact that you know they already had the people there. Um. So I mean, um, and I I think and I think beats point out that Kurtzman still might be on the job as well. Um, I'm not 100, percent, but I mean it it would make sense if, if Kurtzman was still a part of it too i mean i don't know i, I think it, i think you'd be good there um and and uh, uh evan's asking you know what about brandon braga or ronald d moore ronald d moore is busy doing something else too i believe you know he's you know quite busy
0: himself so but that's the question is what happens when star trek calls you know that, yeah. that, that's, that's the thing is like, it's not like, Oh, we're, we're, we're running this new show uh, and it's developed. We're, we're going to do this new sitcom and it's from the people who made cheers and we want you to come in and help showrunner or something like that. It's like, okay, that's, that's cool. But it's, it's not, it's not cheers itself. It's a property from, from like Lynn Charles and everybody else. Uh, hey, you know, fucking, Star Wars movie. Do you want to direct a Star Wars movie? Shit, yes, I want to direct a Star Wars movie. Are you working on anything right now? Well, yeah, I was doing the fucking autobiography of my entire fucking life, but I can put that shit on hold because now I got the big finish. I worked in a Star Wars movie. It, it, <laughs> I just, there's some properties that it's it's the buy-in. It's the buy-in of whether or not you can handle it. Like we know that Joss Whedon hit his wall with Marvel, like he did the Avengers movies, and he's like that's great. Now I feel like I've done the giant ass superhero movie that I wanted to make. And then I did another one, but I kind of want to control my own destiny again. Uh, or your, um, Ant-Man who, who was doing Ant man. Yeah. Edgar Wright. You're Edgar Wright. And you're like, oh, I want to do an Ant-Man movie. I think it'd be fucking fun. I could have a great time with this. Oh, well, dude, we need to tell you how everything's going to have to work with the rest of the Marvel universe. Well, that sucks a lot of balls. I'm gonna step away now and go do something that I can control, or you know, make people not like, like Sp- Scott Pilgrim, even though that movie was fucking awesome. Uh, I, mm-hmm. it's like shit, man. We fucking had an opportunity to make a Marvel film, but if you're the dude who makes a Marvel film, you have to be excited by it, and if you're not excited by it, then that that fucks that shit up for everybody. So. In in this case, it's like, yeah, maybe I'm the guy who gets the call about Star Trek. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about Star Trek, which could also be the best thing that could happen to the show. Yeah. If You're the person who doesn't give a shit about Star Trek. Then you don't come in there with any of those preconceptions of like, oh, well, this is how a Vulcan's got to be. And you got to fucking Romulan say this shit, but fucking Vulcan say this shit, you know, like white people, black people, because I think it's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> you ever notice that a Vulcan walks in with his ass like, ah, you know, but. My point is, um, it can it can be good to introduce people who aren't part yeah. of that fandom already uh, because they're not beholden to it. At the same time, you need to have someone with at least some respect for what it is. Yeah, uh, there, it's a it's a fine line to walk, and it's tough. And that's why these big franchise things are so interesting to me. And such a pain in the ass to try to enjoy sometimes because you have somebody who comes in like J.J. Abrams is like, I'm going to fuck up Trek. I'm going to fuck up Trek real bad and make it into action movies and stuff. But Trek needs to get fucked up because the last couple of movies that you had didn't do very well because it was so much like the shit that came before. Someone needs to inject it with new life. And so Abrams comes in and injects it with new life. And then he says... Hey that worked out really good. I'm going to make another one and uh I know everybody like Rathacon, right? Y'all like Rathacon? Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to fuck up Rathacon. No, dude. Uh Rathacon is like on a pedestal way the fuck up here and you ain't reaching that pedestal. We'll take your fucking Trek action movie. That's that's fine. That's all cool and shit. Leave Khan the fuck alone, dude and so no one said to him well, you should probably not do the fucking wrath Khan, All right, just let, let, let cons lie where they lie um so it it fucked up and he knows it fucked up he said it fucked up yeah the, the guy admits it he's a cool dude I, I appreciate him um he comes into star wars he's like hey i'm gonna do star wars and they're like you better not fucking use wrath Khan. um and <laughs> fucking Con that shit first so he's keep like con oh, out, of our,
1: out of our keep yeah, your hands off our cons what
0: Hans versus cons it's a sexy time um so he he comes in and he's like I'm gonna do Star Wars and I'm gonna make Star Wars really respectful like and maybe it'll feel a lot like the Star Wars that you knew before but again maybe we need Star Wars to feel like it felt like before so let's just take a break let that shit happen, and Everyone be um, cool. Be cool. Yeah, be, don't, 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 don't move too fast. You'll startle the motherfuckers, and then they'll go running around and trip over the lightsabers and shit. Um, so he just like he did it right. He did it respectfully, and and that's the thing. You have to have someone who respects it, but then some. you, you have to know what it is before you can break it, because you have to break it in just the right places. And I think that that's that's the question with the Star Trek thing is like, can Star Trek the show? Does it need to be beholden to Star Trek from before? I think in some ways it does, because it's our first Star Trek show in 20 years. Um, But then it also has to learn how to be its own thing, too. And that's someone has to come in that can then that can do those both those things.
1: Yeah. And I think that's actually a great place, place to end. Um, if I remember what I'll say, I'll, I'll write it down for next week. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I'm going to say this. You can leave us a voicemail by contacting or – or you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsenerds.com. Um, you can like our Facebook page under Galactic Networks. Um, at facebook.com slash galactic netcasts i know it's a little confusing um you can follow us on twitter the show is at else nerds the network is at galactic netcasts you can follow our producers at beatmaster80 and at mr underscore fusion you can find me on um on twitter at that gregor um and Corey, where can people find you
0: you can find me at Don'tAskComics.com. That's where I help publish comics and stuff. And uh, if you if you really want to be awesome, uh, I published a couple stories on Wattpad this last week. Uh, one of them's new. One of them's old. If you look me up by either Corey Christian Scott or Captain Tiberity, I think uh, it should pop up there.
1: Yes. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you guys next week.
0: Or else chuck a gun. Chuck a gun This has been a Galactic Network Podcast. For more go to gncast.com. That's G N C A S T S dot com.